Hey, what's up, everyone? It is Rod Louie here with my partner, Keith Moreau, and you are listening to episode number two of Tech Move. We want to, first of all, thank all the great people who have decided to subscribe to our podcast. We want to thank those who have followed us on Facebook and all these great responses. We're actually quite humbled by uh, all the great responses we've been getting. We're glad you enjoy it. We're glad you're listening, and we hope that we can uh, capture your attention a little bit longer with this episode too. Keith, how are you today? I'm doing great, Rod. Thank you very much. That is fantastic. Let's share with our audience uh, what we've got coming up here on episode two of Tech Move. Uh, we've got some really great, great things to update you on since the first episode. And uh, one of the first ones that we're going to do is Keith has a ultimate surprise for us that he's going to share. It's some sort of barn burner, some sort of bomb he's going to drop on us. And we're going to hear all about that in a few minutes. We also have a really, really nice review of a product that we have from one of our fine sponsors that we'd like to share with you. Uh, we've got a great little product and uh, we're going to tell you all about it. It's, it's really a lot of fun. And lastly, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a preview of a wonderful 4K camera. So you've got that, you got everything I mentioned before, right here on Tech Move. something exciting gang right now that i've wanted to talk about for a while and it has been a troubling troubling uh rumor and thought on my behalf what say you keith what say you we're recording the show a little bit after wwdc right i've used mac pros well actually i'm i'm using the very first mac pro that i ever got but the thing is is i got this mac pro uh, over four years ago in 2008. The Mac Pros were introduced, I believe, either in 2006 or 2007. And they were the first Intel-based Mac towers. Before that, they were G5s. The case looks exactly the same. It's a very beautiful brushed aluminum cheese grater style case. Very quiet, very heavy. <laughs> and those things are huge. I mean, they're, 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 really big. they're really big towers. They're really big. They're probably not as efficient in space... Uh, as some of the PCs out there, but I think they needed a lot of that space just for the airflow. There's not a lot of space inside them if you look at them. It's not like there's a lot of empty space. I think they just had a lot of a lot of metal surrounding the components. This this computer that I got in 2008 has been a it's been just an amazing workhorse. I've I've just put it through the ringer. I've I've uh, added cards, removed cards, added memory, removed memory done special things where I rerouted the uh, the SATA ports to the outside instead of the internal ports because there's actually some spare uh, SATA ports, which is a SATA is a very fast uh, interface, but it's usually reserved for internal drives. But you had those like uh, front facing ports or something like that that you'd plug into? Actually back. Yeah, I had. To, oh, in the rear. Yeah, mm -hmm. in the rear. I, I got this kit. I think it was from newer technology. It, it came with some cables and a plate to put into to the back panel. Uh, it allowed you to take eSATA ports and then plug them into really fast eSATA drives. I had an, uh, SSDs into the optical bays to make it even faster. 
but basically I, I made this thing about as fast as I can possibly make it. And it's like four and a half year old technology. You know, it was great when it first came out, but now it's, it's kind of old. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah four, yeah. four and a half years is ancient for computers. You want to ask my old PC sitting <laughs> down there with uh, Windows XP? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> my gosh, I think the, the squirrels on the exercise wheel are uh, just really tired now from spinning that fan. It's so old. Gracious. All right, go on. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, one of the things that really helped a lot, which I did, I think, about a year and a half ago, was to add a SSD uh, boot drive. Right. So I added a 240 gigabyte uh, SSD boot drive, and that contains my OS system and also contains all my applications. And that's all it has on it. it does, I don't really use it for storing any kind of data, but it, it, it really, really increased the perceived speed of, of the computer. You know, I have a question. When you did do that, how much of that 250... Uh, was taken up by applications and the OS. Probably about 180. I've got about 60, 70 free on it. Not bad. So it's not bad. It's not bad. That's not bad. The thing with uh, SSDs is you don't have to be so worried about filling them up. They don't. They don't suffer uh, quite the same way from fragmentation that regular spinning discs do. If you fill up a regular spinning disc to less than 15 to 10 percent of the full capacity of the disc, it starts getting kind of slow. Yeah, that extra space is just needed because it's looking for different sectors, right? Right, uh, and then to, to, to write to yeah, to write to, and then it just gets fragmented. So, it, people out there, if you have any kind of drive that's not an SSD, you should probably keep ten to fifteen percent uh, free space on it. Anyway, I've been just hoping for a new Mac Pro, and and there was a refresh of the Mac Pros in two thousand ten, and. I really debated whether to get one of those 2010 models, and they were not that much of an upgrade. It wasn't compelling enough for you. It wasn't like twice as fast. It was like maybe 30% faster. And I just couldn't justify paying, you know, maybe $4,000 for something that was only 30% faster. I wanted something that was twice as fast, three times as fast. Um, and that's what I got with the 2008 Mac Pro. I was previously on a G5. Uh, right. it, it looks, it looked exactly the, from the outside, looked exactly like a, uh, a Mac pro, but inside was the power PC processor. And at the time when it first came out several years before that, it was the fastest computer out there, but Intel caught up and they went beyond and, and that G five was, was actually slower than my, my MacBook pro <laughs> that I'd gotten that year. <laughs> It was just like this little MacBook Pro. I was actually right. using it to do all kinds of renders and things because it was actually faster than the stupid G5. <laughs> so when I when I got my uh, my Intel-based Mac Pro, I was just really happy. It was like 10 times as fast as my G5. It was great. And it was still quiet and it was reliable. I could add RAM to it. It was it just, I was very happy with it. It was, it was definitely, it was a no-brainer. When that came out, it was like, you know, put it on the credit card. No, that was worth the money. It was worth the money, and it was it was like one of those things you don't think about. It's like when something sure. is just right, you don't have to debate it; you just get it. Right. You know, if you have the resources, the money to get it. Sure. But the 2010 Mac Pro was was just not that compelling. It mm -hmm. just it was like, eh, you know, if I really wanted something that was like twice as fast, I would wind up spending seven thousand dollars. Yeah. And I don't know. That's kind of a lot. It just it seemed like too much. Yeah. So 
I just kind of held off and I just did other things to my 2008 Mac Pro, uh, like the SSDs, like adding RAM, putting faster video cards in it. And it was, it was okay. You know, the things that I used with it, like Final Cut Pro and uh, Photoshop and some of the special effects that I would do uh, here and there with video editing, it was adequate. Those things didn't really notice that the Mac was a slower, older Mac. But I started doing my editing on Premiere Pro. Premiere Pro came out with CS5. I had been starting to get a little, a little disappointed in Final Cut Pro's performance. And not really the performance when you were editing, but the fact you had to transcode everything you did into ProRes, especially ABCHD, would not deal with ABCHD files at all. So you'd have to transcode those to ProRes before you could even use them and edit them in Final Cut Pro. Uh, and that's where I did a lot of my reading was like, wow, man, that that's a lot of steps to, to to get into, you know, into Final Cut. Right. You know, Final Cut 7, which was the version that I was using, that was that's the latest version of the, the older version of Final Cut. Final Cut 7 is a fine program. It's very smooth, works well. There's a lot of plugins for it, third-party plugins. It's really got a great ecosystem and infrastructure, but it was starting to become a nuisance first to take the time to transcode. And then also the amount of hard drive space that transcoding AVCHD into ProRes would take. Uh, an AVC um, bitrate is about between 17 and 24 megabits per second. But even the lowest quality uh, ProRes is 100, 120 megabits a second. So you're taking a file that maybe is... 10 gigabytes in AVCHD format, and you're turning it into 120 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. And you're not really increasing the quality at all. You're just changing it into a format that Final Cut can use. Because I started using multiple AVCHD cameras on shoots, and I realized I would start running out of hard drive space. <laughs> I mean, I would have... <laughs> Very quickly. Yeah, yes. it was like exponential. I would, I would have to spend all my money backing up and transferring and buying new hard drives. That wasn't a very attractive prospect. So... And have many different versions of that same piece of footage. Yes. I'd, I'd still have to keep the original. So I'd always right. have that. And then I would have to keep this copy. Right. This blown up copy. So just so I which could, is not compressed at all, right? right? Which is uncompressed and works well with Final Cut Pro. And it, once you get into ProRes, it's great. Things are really smooth. But uh, still, I would still have to maintain these two sets. And I, and I suppose I could do... Something called selects, which is you just go through the footage that you want. This is back from the old tape days. So back in the old tape days, you'd only uh, copy things onto your hard drive that you really needed from your from your um, shoot that day. So you'd actually right. go through the tape and you'd mark the in and out points of what you wanted, and then you would oh, go yeah. mm -hmm. go back and just capture those sure. those parts. And so that makes it a lot smaller. But I don't like to work that way. It's too, that's too, in my opinion, too time consuming. It's it's an old style of working. I like I just like to take everything everything I shot and put it onto onto the computer, and then I have it there, and then I can review it later. Because you never know if your selects if you're making the wrong decision. You know, right. there's some obvious stuff you don't want, but sometimes there's stuff that's kind of on the edge, and you can usually make stuff work with post production if you really need it. So, anyway, long story short, I decided to try out Premiere Pro CS5, which had just come out, and it was just being touted as this this miracle because it could actually work with native uh, formats, not having to transcode. Just you take an H.264 file or an AVC HD file and, and you just import it into Premiere. You wouldn't have to do any transcoding. It would read the original file that you had had uh, on your computer and it would just, you could just edit with it. And so I tried it and it definitely was not as smooth as Final Cut, 
but it was... Smooth in what way? What are you saying smooth? <clears throat> well, like when you uh, move the... The scrub bar, we call it. Yeah, which is essentially like a, almost like fast forward by clicking and dragging, right? Yeah, or just even moving uh, moving around the sequence. It's called the CTI, Current Time Indicator in Premiere Pro. Just moving mm -hmm. moving where you are in the clip. Um, in, in Final Cut and Transcoded footage, it was just like butter. Like you could move it and it, there was like no lag or anything. You could just move it where you wanted to and it would just go there. Um, right. With Premiere, I think because it had to spend a little bit of computer power moving things around and figuring out how to decode the file and, and decoding it. Uh, it would just be a little bit laggy. Not not horrible, but not as buttery as um, as Final Cut. But still... Workable. I, still workable. Got to be workable, though, right? Yeah. Still workable. I could live with it. In addition to that, um, Premiere Pro, which has this technology they call the Mercury Playback Engine, mm -hmm. it will also uh, not only utilize the CPU power, but it utilizes certain uh, video cards have uh, what's called a GPU, which stands for Graphical Processing Unit. Yep. And the thing about video cards is they can have a lot of very simple processors in them. The GPU could have sometimes have 100, 200, maybe even more little processors working. And so Premiere Pro could actually utilize those processors as well. In addition to the CPU, it could use the GPU very well, much better than Final Cut and other, other apps. So if you put a high-end video card in, you could get even more speed out of it. And I'm sure a lot of our gaming listeners out there will know exactly what you're talking about because it's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, the, it, when, when you have a better video card, it, it processes a lot of that movement for games smoothly because of it, it, it takes some of that processing power off the, the CPU processor and, and shares it with the video card. That's right. Adobe was smart, and they decided to really uh, leverage that, but it was only with NVIDIA cards. So I got a NVIDIA... Quadro 4000 card. Uh, this is another thing that there were only a few cards that were supported on the Mac by Premiere of, of these GPU cards. Mm -hmm. So um, there were there was the NVIDIA 4000, the 4800, and the GTX 285. And I actually tried all three. Um, <laughs> of course you the, did. The Quadro 4800 was a like a $1,200 card. And was really big and hot, and every time it like turned on and off, it was like the fan. You could hear the fans turning on in your computer. <laughs> it had its own set of fans, like gigantic fans on it, and it would uh -huh. get really hot, and it would decide to turn on and off all the time. And so, and it was also really expensive. So I, I returned it, and then I got the GTX 285. I think I actually got that used, and it was a lot cheaper, and supposedly even better. Supposedly, actually had more GPU units in it. I tried that. It just seemed flaky. It seemed like the computer was flaky with it. So then I decided to get a more expensive, but not as expensive as the 4800. I got the Quadro 4000 cards, which was about seven or $800. So mm -hmm. I, I currently have that. It's nice. Not and you're still using that one, huh? Yeah. I'm st it's actually the still the highest end one you can get for the Mac. It's They don't come out with them that often. It's actually a pretty wow. old card. Um, supposedly, there's a way to use a more modern GTX cards on the Mac if you, uh, with a new version of Lion, uh, you just have to modify some Adobe files on your Mac. I might go and venture into that at some point, but I also don't want to waste a lot of time on crashes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
So, and then I got a lot of RAM. I got, I think I have, I think I have 24 gigabytes of RAM. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And then fortunately the RAM for this, this particular computer is really expensive. Yeah. The, the RAM for the newer. What are you buying Corsairs or something? Uh, the type of RAM I get. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I get it from Otherworld Computing. Right. Our friends over there. Yeah. Our friends at other, which have great RAM and they, have, yeah, they do. They have a great guarantee on it and. You're very easy to purchase, and they, they they tell you real easy what what will go in, what will work. Right, right, and they certify it. And I think I've actually, I think maybe I had one RAM unit go out on me, and they were very good about replacing it. Um, anyway, the newer the newer Macs and the newer PCs, the RAM's a lot cheaper. But for this 2008 Mac, for whatever reason, you know, it's like gold. It's just rare, so it was expensive. Anyway, I think I have my Mac pretty much maxed out. <laughs> I can't make it any faster. There, there's nothing else you can do. Not really. I could probably add a little bit more RAM. I don't think that would help with Premiere. I don't think it Premiere just doesn't use that much RAM. I mean, it, it it uses enough, but it doesn't like I have it on now and I'm still I've still got 7 uh gigabytes free. Um plus I'm using GarageBand at the same time. So, you know, I don't I don't think it's going to need that much more RAM. If I was using After Effects, yeah, I'd probably need but I don't use After Effects all that much, just a little bit here and there. So I was really excited to hear that there was a possibility that there was going to be a new improved Mac Pro coming out at WWDC 2012. We, we, we were all waiting for these big announcements, not only the new iOS, but the new, uh, the new uh, Mac, Mac OS uh, and possibly a, a couple hardware things that were going to go on. And that's what we were all sitting around waiting for, weren't we? Yeah, we were waiting for it. You know, when Apple, Apple's really good at creating buzz because they're so secretive. <laughs> right. It's kind of annoying, but it's a really good marketing ploy. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah it's fun. I mean, like, uh, you, you know, I, I, I was waiting around well, listening for, for some of these announcements, you know, checking the blogs and all this kind of thing. And you know one right after another oh wow series coming to to the ipad Woo-hoo! you know only mackerel siri are you coming to the ipad <laughs> anyway um can you do a siri voice um no i i, I, I can't it's 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 a it's a little too breathy for me I think. she is kind of breathy isn't she she's a little breathy yeah yeah <laughs> And, and, and now just think that we're going to get her on turn-by-turn turn GPS now. So that'll be a joy. That'll be great. You know. You can't turn there, Keith. <laughs> and it's beautiful with people with hearing uh, deficiencies won't be able to hear that high-frequency voice. So they'll just be crashing their cars everywhere. Fantastic. All right, but... <laughs> well, anyway, but anyway getting and, getting back to the yeah, WWD. So, and, and, and a lot of people have been feeling um, similar to what... I was feeling, which is a lot of people have been holding out buying a new Mac Pro just for the same exact reason. The, the last refresh just wasn't exciting enough. They were waiting. It's kind of interesting. There was actually a Facebook user that started a whole Facebook page called I Want a New Mac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually got a little traction out in the internets. And uh, I think they have about 20,000 likes. Really? Yeah. And a lot of comments, lots of, lots of loyal, devout Mac Mac Pro fans writing to Apple essentially through this Facebook site, you know, 
please, Apple, I have money in my hand. I will buy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Re- ready to spend money. Ready to spend money. The problem is, and, and this is kind of the reality about Apple right now, is that Apple is almost too successful. And the way Apple works, you would think that a company with $100 billion in the bank could just afford to get more programmers and get more hardware developers. And just, even if they're not making a ton of money on a Mac Pro, just just get it together anyway. And and just put it out there for the for the people, their loyal fans that, that need a new computer. You know, and make it excellent and make them really appreciate you and evangelize for you for free. You would think that they could just do that, right? Even- no, they can't. They can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> not allowed. Well, I think they used to be that kind of company, but I'm not sure if they're that kind of company anymore. And and the way that Apple works, the, what I know of Apple, I've done, I've dealt with them quite a bit over the, over the years. Even now, I do deal with them a little bit. It's not like they have unlimited resources. They're yeah. they they are very selective about the people they choose. The people they choose are excellent. They're just top notch engineers or whatever field they're in. They're top notch. But there's just not that many top notch people to go around in the world, really. Right, right. And so Apple has a good portion of those people, but they they put those top-notch people in areas that have the most potential. Sure. And right now, the most potential for Apple is iOS. Right. You know, iOS is the majority of their income right now. They they happened upon an amazingly profitable platform. Right. And it was the result of many years of planning, maybe a little bit of luck, but they're really sitting on top right now because of the iPhone and the iPad. Their success is just phenomenal. But the lowly Mac Pro, I think, has gotten a little bit forgotten. Even if they sold a few million Mac Pros, it would be like one-tenth of one percent of one week's profit of an iPad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. It's just, right. and the amount of support and, and resources it uses to just even sell them and then support them after they're sold, it, it's it's really not necessarily that worth it for Apple to continue. The only reason is almost like a nostalgic, you know, we're going to be loyal to you you as a customer. That would be the only reason to do it, kind of like a loss leader. And I think that's a good reason to do it. But I, I think Apple is so focused that they don't have time to do that, to even think about that. I think the thing that's very interesting about, you know, looking at Apple over the years is that, you know, of course, you know, like you were talking about was your... You know your your Mac Pro. You know, you know those were very exciting times back then. And then they were introducing the iMac and and you know the all-in-one computer, and uh, of which I was excited to get one. I I you know I have a a twenty-seven incher, and and love it to death. It's it's really really great. And I got mine. I I got a two thousand ten model, and they were just about to to introduce the two thousand eleven upgrade i said to myself well i'll either buy the 2010 or the 2011 depending on what the 11 is going to have to offer and the only upgrade that they had was a, a little bit faster processor and really thunderbolt and that was pretty much it that was that was really the the only real upgrades a little bit better video card but then that was it and i think along this same lines it's just showing that really where they want to focus is all this mobile computing stuff, you know, like the, you know, all their laptops, which are, you know, not getting any bigger. They're getting more powerful. They're getting smaller, thinner, lighter. And, you know, to get your big honking, 
Mac Pro, you know, stacked up at the back of the, you know, warehouse of, of the Apple store where they could put in a crate of 10,000 iPads in that one area. That's what they're going to go with, right? Yeah, if you just look at the numbers and it just from from a money point of view, it makes no sense for them to to even think about a Mac Pro. <laughs> to devote like one person to the Mac Pro. And I don't think they even devoted one person, one marketing person to the Mac Pro for 2 years <laughs> because if you looked at the website, yeah. at least before this WWDC, it was exactly the same as 2 years ago. Nothing had changed. <laughs> Like, they hadn't put one web developer on the Mac Pro in two years. <laughs> and it still said, the most powerful, you know, Intel Xenon processor ever. And at that point, there were so many more process, like two more generations of processors had come out. Obviously, it was a, a pretty low priority for them. But I, yeah. do, I do think that this Facebook page, as well as just in general, the, the kind of pro backlash against uh, Final Cut 10 definitely caught some some of their attention. I don't think they want to lose the pro market, but I don't know if they have the focus and will to really uh feed and care for it. You know, I don't I don't think they're just trying to kill it off, but I'm not sure if they have enough resources in that area to um promote it. Okay, so so let's just go on with the supposed Mac Pro announcement at WWDC. So I was really excited about that. And then like three days before it, it was, or a week before it, it was leaked. These new Mac Pro part numbers were leaked. No, nothing, right. nothing about the Mac itself, like what it contained or what processors it had. But, but these new part numbers were showing up in like Australia and different, different outlets. And so it was like a done deal. I mean, there had never been, this had never happened before without a new version of a Mac coming out. So it was it was pretty obvious there was going to be a new version of the Mac Pro. And it was going to happen at WDC. I saw everyone's rubbing their hands together in a sinisterly way. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, all three Mac people that want to buy the Mac Pros are rubbing their hands together. <laughs> Me and two other people. <laughs> so, no, it was maybe thousands, I don't know. Right, but at, uh, at least one thousand, <laughs> at least a thousand. Right. Mac Pro, yeah, yes. <laughs> and you, and you guys get to sit in the in the back corner of the of the Moscone Center while you're watching this announcement. <laughs> so uh, the day that the announcement came and went, they didn't in the actual keynote, uh, Tim Cook's keynote, they did not even mention the Mac Pro. Right. They I did, they mentioned all the new stuff and that was great. Actually, they Apple came out with some amazing stuff. I no nothing wrong with anything they did on, on that, but they just didn't even mention the Mac Pro. And I was a little busy that day, so I didn't really pay attention too much to the to the events. I at the end of the day, I did a little search for Mac Pro and and I got a bunch of a bunch of returns saying Mac Pro fans disappointed with with token upgrade or something like that or token update. <laughs> and, and so then I, I researched it further and it just turned out that really all they did was they, they bumped the processor speed on the, on the highest end model from 2.93 gigahertz to 3.06 gigahertz. <laughs> <laughs> which is, it, which is, 
that's just hacking i think that's that's not really like a new chip it's it's just overclocking at that point maybe they overclocked it i think maybe they used a new chip but whatever it's kind of insignificant um a lot of the other models they didn't change at all there was no uh usb3 in these in these new mac pros there was no um thunderbolt in the new Mac Pros, those are two other technologies that a lot of people were waiting for in the Mac Pro. Wait a minute. You mean the new Mac Pro, they couldn't even put in a Thunderbolt uh, port for you? No, they could, They didn't add a Thunderbolt port. And and there's some technical reasons for it, but just it, it doesn't matter. It was very, very disappointing. Um, they essentially just, I think they just got some new chips and put them in the same exact... Uh, Everything else was the same. They just got a few faster chips. Right. So, so basically, it was just a very, very meager uh, refresh. And nothing to really get excited about. And it was also using two-year-old technology. So, um, it was really disappointing to me. Yeah, of course. Into the thousand other of you guys that yeah, at that least didn't a, get at least a thousand. <laughs> right. We were all pretty disappointed, and uh, so I just had to think about what am I what am I going to do because I really like I was I'm editing some stuff right now, some stuff I shot in New York, and I'm using uh, it's four AVC HD uh, smaller camcorders. It was a shoot where I had to kind of go small, so I took some smaller uh, camcorders with me and did. But I did as a four four camera multi-camera shoot and they're all in the same timeline in premiere pro and it's it's kind of laggy it's kind of it's not the smoothest editing experience because it's just a little bit too much for my my aging mac pro to deal with so it's slowing you down it's kind of slowing me down kind of like getting in the way of my editing process i very very much considered just getting a getting one of the refreshed mac pros um there's a a pretty pretty good deal on the six core uh more recent mac pro mm-hmm. um and with the new technology you can get a virtual 12 cores out of it um and it's a 3.33 gigahertz machine so it's actually pretty fast uh from a gigahertz point of view mm-hmm. but um it's still that plus the ram it's still like 3800 bucks or what would be considered to you a, a semi-marginal upgrade? Yeah, I was looking at all the benchmarks, and my I'll just give you an example. There's a couple of benchmarks out there. I think one is called Cinebench, and there's another one called MacBench. Anyway, I downloaded a few uh, benchmarking programs and just looked also at their databases. And so my Mac is about a rating of like eight thousand to nine thousand. That's the speed. Okay. And according to these benchmark programs and the the one I would be upgrading to is like 14 oh 14,000 so it's it's like a 50% upgrade in speed you yeah. know and i'm just that sounds pretty decent it's, but it's decent guess. but it's not like i want it at least twice right because really pcs out there are twice three times four times as fast as my as my mac pro mm-hmm. and so i just Say, do I want to, you know, spend four thousand dollars to get something that's just fifty percent faster? It would it would be a very easy upgrade. I wouldn't have to do any. I could just take all the stuff out of my current Mac Pro and just put it into this new computer, and it would probably just work fine. 
So that part of it's good, like not very labor intensive to switch. But the experience I would be getting like from Premiere Pro, and this is the only reason I really need a faster Mac is Premiere Pro. I don't think it would get me there. I don't think 50% more is going to get me to that level that I want. Well, and also the other things you mentioned about no USB three, no Thunderbolt. You're 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 forking out money just to just to work a program faster. Yeah, and maybe just fifty percent faster. So anyway, this week I actually um, ordered a PC. It's <gasps> incredible! Really? Yeah. Wait, wait. wait. Uh, this shocks me. I am beyond shocked right now. It's very shocking to hear this from you. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to work, right? You got to have good tools to work. You can't you can't just keep waiting for a company to, you know, hopefully come out with something that's usable. You know, the thing the thing that was so great about Apple up until the time that I got my Mac Pro 2008 was that they were they they took some pride in coming out with the fact. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you can out. tell, Keith has an ongoing saga going on right now, and we wouldn't want to put you through all that for this one episode uh, or this one segment. So we'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna split this up into upcoming episodes. So stay tuned. Keep subscribing. Keep listening to hear what Keith has come up with in the future here on Tech Move. All right, well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and we are now at our segment uh that we want to start off here and that is a very exciting and new segment we've got which is a it's a little bit both a uh, a giveaway contest and also a product review and this is uh something great that we want to start doing here at tech move and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving you a review of a product uh that is uh from one of our very very fine sponsors and what what's going to be involved is that you're going to have to go to our uh tech move podcast facebook page where you're going to have to like us as well as our sponsor and once you do that you're automatically entered into our fabulous contest and the contest that we're having today uh corresponds with the review we're about to uh do for you right now and what we're about to review for you is something from a company called Newer Tech. It's the Newer Tech New Guard Grip Stand 2 and Grip Base Bundle. Uh, and this is for the iPad 2. It's kind of a stand and, uh, and a base for the iPad 2, exactly like what the, uh, the title says. And it's in black. And I think Keith is actually just right now opening the package right now, aren't you, Keith? Yeah, I'm opening it right now. And let's I hear. Think, let, let's hear. Let's hear all the the the, the paper products and stuff. Yeah. So I've got my uh, little um, carton opener out. Nice. Okay. Here, that's what the snap was. And oh. so Rodney, I don't know if the listeners know this, but Rodney and I are not in the same location when we record this. So uh, he's kind of. And you didn't know that, did you, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> you didn't know that. 
amazing what technology can do. It is amazing. We're actually, I don't know. I'm on the moon and Keith is on <laughs> Mars. That's how great our our we're connections not, are. We're not even on Earth. Okay, so I'm opening up. I'm I'm opening up the uh, OWC Refuse If Broken uh, packaging tape. Our our friends at Otherworld Computing have uh, generously. Uh, sponsored this uh, this particular segment of our show, so we want to thank them very much. And again, in order to enter yourselves into this contest, you have to like us on our Facebook page, and you're going to have to like uh, Otherworld Computing as well. So, Otherworld Computing and Newer Tech, I believe, are the same company. No, are they really? Yeah, I think they're the same company. Well, look at them. Yeah. So, um, I think so. I did some research. It was really hard. I think at some point they weren't, but I think maybe they they acquired them. So, nice. Anyway, so Good they work kinda, other world computing, and I think when their products, the actual products that are not so geeky, you know, like the OWC stuff is is like hard drive enclosures and kind of parts and stuff, and I think the more consumer stuff is newer tech. Anyway, that's my theory. I'll have to ask them why they separate the names. So we'll, okay. we'll do a full inquiry on that, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. So don't you worry about a thing. Okay, there's very good bubble. This is very well packaged. There's very good bubble wrap around everything. I've got RE, your newer tech review product. Okay. Sounds little, very exciting over there. Yeah, it's a little envelope with a little serial number on the envelope. I'm opening the envelope first to see if there's any like fine print about and how are you opening up that envelope keith well I'm, i was using my razor blade <laughs> but now I'm, it's too hard oh, there i got it open open the envelope in half just right down the middle <laughs> here we go so i have a little uh a little sheet on the product it's normally at least what they sent me was it's normally a thirty-seven ninety-nine product. Is the uh, wow. grip stand too? So woohoo! Well, you know what I I want to tell you. I'm looking at it uh, on uh, Otherworld Computing's site right now, and it is a nice looking piece right here. And uh, uh, I'm very excited that uh, some lucky listener is going to be receiving this little beauty here. And uh, again. Remember that uh, it's simple to enter. Just uh, like us on our fa- Facebook page and also uh, like OWC on their page. Listen, really, all that packing. Holy they really, mackerel. They really packed right? It's like well. Fort Knox over there. You think it was in, uh, with gold bindings or something. I think I'm going to need some better uh, <laughs> unpackaging equipment they, they well you know really well. well you know what's so fantastic is that when we give it away what kind of packaging we're going to be putting it back in i think we're just going to slap some stamps on it <laughs> without without even a box <laughs> okay we should have taken pictures of this is what it looked like when it was originally packaged <laughs> okay so okay so we've got the grip stand two which is inside of a a very uh impervious <laughs> blister pack type of uh package which i'm going to destroy you, you know what i'm so excited about is the gir- if the grip stand two is as good as their packaging this thing is going to be fantastic <laughs> i am opening the grip stand base i think i think I, I think i need to open the grip stand too though i think i need to 
just open that and hopefully I won't you know how things are so the package sure. is so well nowadays sure sure you know, we should mention that uh, this is uh, specified on their site as fitting the Apple iPad 2. So we don't know how it's going to work with the new iPads that are out there now. Uh, but uh, I know, Keith, you have an iPad 2 right now, and I'm sure that's what you're going to be using for this review. I was thinking of maybe trying to fit my iPad 1 in it just to see. No. Nice. No, I'm going <laughs> to. Nice. Okay. No, you're, yeah, I'm going to. I'll have to get that. can hear me um oh it sounds great i love the sound effects cutting the package open oh it's wonderful hopefully wonderful. without killing myself cutting myself slicing right. the artery open well at, at, at least we're you know on the line together and at least i can hear you passing out in the thud on the floor right and then you can relay my skype id to the <laughs> fire <Right>. department <laughs> exactly and i will never never be found <laughs> right. okay exactly. uh since you are on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Grip Stand 2, it, it's it's a very nice packaging, very professional packaging. This is obviously a professional company that's producing this and a professional product here. It's nice, well-made. I guess I'm going to have to um, do further slicing to get it out of its packaging for the <laughs> packaging. <laughs> 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 Nobody's gonna want this. <laughs> okay. Like I said, wait till wait till our lucky winner gets this thing. It's gonna be wrapped up in newspaper in a shopping bag. But they'll have this recorded piece to know that it was originally wrapped just beautifully. We should probably autograph the pieces of wrapping that we're destroying. <laughs> As a memento, God, this thing. <laughs> this is awesome. This is great, and it's fantastic audio too, because we can only. You should have. You should have filmed us. You should have filmed yourself tearing open that packaging. Okay, finally got it open. Now, now that Keith is absolutely exhausted, now we'll be taking a break. No. So I got my iPad. I'm taking off my. Apple cover. I'm putting it on. It's pretty obvious which way you orient. It's got little cutouts for the different, uh, the few controls that are on the iPad. So I'm just kind of placing it in there. I'm thinking it's just going to snap in. Let's see what happens. I didn't read any instructions. You're never supposed to read instructions. Who needs to read instructions? You, you know what? Here's one thing I will say because uh, by looking at the pictures, one thing that I personally really like about this design is that it really, it does not uh, interfere at all with the bezel of the iPad. It, it grips those corners really beautifully. I think it snaps right in there. It has all the little contours for your headphone jack, for the on-off switch, so on and so forth. Uh, but it, 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 it doesn't hide the, the bezel of the iPad screen at all. Right. And that and that's that's very nice. I, I, I like that kind of thing. Right. So I'm trying to put it into <clears throat> and get it to actually click in. Cause it basically you kind of snap it in and then it grabs the right. grabs the edges. Right, exactly. And and sometimes those are admittedly very tight. 
but they should be because that's it, it's there to grip and it's there to to be a nice sturdy stand for you. Okay, so I think I got it in. It's kind of hard to tell when they're fully engaged. Do you have it on the stand or the uh, is it the, the stand or the base? I actually have it um, currently just on the the actual um, thing that holds the iPad. The thing, the thing that frames the iPad. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. E- essentially, the back cover. Uh, yes. Protective yes. thing. Right. And I guess right. you can just use that on its own if you just want a portrait. Uh, if you just want to lean it up, and that's working well. I have it on my desk. It's a nice, nice stand for that. And I guess you can, ro- oh yeah, you can rotate it around, and you can make it landscape mode. Nice. And the good thing about it is you can uh, angle it to any angle you want, so it's not fixed. It's oh, not it's fixed. a very, it's a variable angle type of thing. Yeah. So I can oh. have it almost vertical, or I can have it really flat. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you can give it a little angle for uh, for typing if you need to. Exactly. Or if I wanted to have it as a display and just be showing people that were maybe at the same level, then I could have it almost vertical. That sounds nice. In fact, let me see if I can make it over vertical. Yeah, you can actually make it over vertical so it falls over. You, you, <laughs> you, you know, one thing I did see is that if you turn it, uh, if you close the uh, that stand, but yet you turn that handle uh sideways is it true that you could almost use it like a carrying handle of uh for the ipad yeah i think you could you could use it to carry around you could also kind of use it as uh like a shield kind of like captain america does (laughs) nice very good yeah because you never know well then there there you go that's uh that's fantastic. And with, I hear that the Gorilla Glass is almost as strong as the strange metal that Captain America Shield's made out of. <laughs> so, okay. So, Good. That's great. So now, um, now I have Th- the. Does gri- it feel pretty sturdy? It look it's it's really good. The one thing that, um, and I think we have to have you know be honest with these reviews. The one thing it's hard to know how how tight it is in the because it's almost the grips are almost flush. With the surface, mm. it's like they don't protrude over the um, the edge too much of the iPad. But it seems it like I'm trying to pull it out. Just, I'm trying to pop it out just by right. pushing on the back, and it seems pretty sturdy. So I think I think it's just meant to be really flush. Yeah, and there's just a little bit of a little bit of lip on certain parts that is kind of holding it in. I'm not sure if I would you know take the whole thing and shake it upside down that much. Right. Um, just cause I'm just not sure how, how well it's stuck in there, but mm-hmm. from a, just from a use usability point of view, it's very useful. It's very, and it's very functional and it's very attractive. The, the black border really matches the black on my iPad and it's, you can hardly tell it's there except for there's a little, little gray rubber part of the grip, I guess, uh, r- little rubber pieces around the edges, mm-hmm. but it's still very attractive. It's a very nice unit. That's nice. Yeah, very nice unit. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm really excited about is to hear about that base. Yeah, the base looks like it requires a little assembly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so um, ju- judging by how much the packaging took, let's uh, let's just say that the base probably works pretty well. And you know what? I'm looking at it on the website. Our fine listeners can uh, also view it on the website of Otherworld Computing. And it is, uh, again, 
in order to enter yourself into this contest to win this product, you will have to go to the Tech Move Podcast uh, Facebook page, like us there, and then uh, head on over to uh, the Other World Computing uh, page. I'm going to guess, is that a Facebook page also, Keith? Yeah, they have a Facebook page, and there'll be a link on our, our website with a pointer to that. And Great. also, well, on, our web, on our Facebook page, there'll also be a link. So Excellent. Okay. And, and, and let's also uh, not forget to mention that we will uh, link directly to the product page on the OWC uh, uh, website for this product, so you can take a look at it. Also, gang, there is a... Uh, they're kind enough at OWC to have a video of what the product does. And if we're not giving you a good enough play-by-play description, uh, you can see it there. I've got Are my, you actually breaking out I've a... Got, I've got my screwdriver. <laughs> Here we you go. You see that, folks? We're doing it live. Live. There we go. Okay, don't strip the screws. That's important. Okay, here we go. I don't know if they mentioned it in the video. This is great. (laughs) Okay, so I am now taking the stand. It actually only required one screw, so. Oh. And you don't have to use an electric screwdriver. You can just use a regular screwdriver. Okay. So, you know, this is kind of funny because I'm just assembling this without any instructions. And I think that's the mark of a good product. Don't you think? Yes, I do. I like building my cars that way, too. <laughs> you remove the whole uh, normal stand that's part of the um, part of the grip case. Well, of, of which, am I going to guess that when you do that, you essentially expose the Apple logo to the back of your iPad? That's right. There's a there's a hole. Right. And uh, where you like remo- a hub. It's like a hub you're removing. Yep. You're removing a hub, and then you're placing and you're putting uh, the grip. What is it called? The base. The you're base. Putting, you're putting the base into the, where that where that was into that hole, and so now I and have. That's it on the th- new hub, and so uh, d- d- it looks from from the website. It looks like it's like a monitor stand. It's, it's, it's essentially one of those monitors. Stands. It's it's awesome. It's a monitor stand. You can rotate it around. You can you can tilt it in any at any angle, and you can rotate it facing any direction. And it's really oh, you smooth. mean you mean it could be a portrait or landscape? Uh, let me see. And in between? Yes. Yes. You can that is nice. That sounds great. I'm going to, I want one of these. It's too that bad. That is so nice. You know, the thing, I think there's really no rules to our contest. So if we're the only people that subscribe to Facebook and like us on Facebook, I think we could just keep this. Right. What do you I'll, think? Well, I mean, that, that would be very good. I'm sure our listeners wouldn't be too uh, happy with that, especially. Uh, when they're finding out that we're fixing contests in our... Uh, okay, I guess it, we can't do that, but this is really nice. Well, and probably OWC wouldn't be very appreciative of that either, so... That's true, they might be listening. <laughs> Doubt it, but hey, you know, it's it's nice to think that way. So, whoa, one little thing that happened with the grip stand, which is I don't think I had it quite, quite sit in the... So it was clicked in. So I'm going to have to figure out why... That you know the reason for that, ladies and gentlemen, no reading of instructions. <laughs> so there you go, kids. Learn your lesson. Read instructions. I think there there must be some trick. Did to you it. just break the monitor of your iPad? No, luckily there's Gorilla Glass. Oh, good. Which okay. is as strong as the vibranium inside Captain America Shield. So good. Yeah, I think 
this is a little bit tricky getting it to actually clip over the edge of the iPad, so I have to work on that, but I'll, I'll get back to you on the next episode and tell you how I managed to get that. It's actually, you know, I think you just need to really press in on the corners, not be too gentle. Yeah. Anyway, I like it a lot. I think it's a great unit. So, Keith, uh, how do we uh, enter ourselves in this contest again? On our website, we're going to have a link to our Facebook page. Um, but you can also look us up on Facebook. It's just called Tech Move. And if you type in Tech Move on Facebook, you'll get to our Tech Move uh, Facebook page. And we're going to have a review. We're going to have a, essentially an article on this with a review. And you just need to like the review. And like us. I guess you, if you like the review, you also like us. I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, and then you're all, we're also going to have a link to the OWC Facebook page. And you just go there and you like them. And then you're automatically entered. We'll, we'll put all the names into a hat or whatever method we use. And we will draw from the, the people that liked us and liked OWC. And we'll announce a winner uh, in a future episode, probably the next episode. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Okay, well, uh, that's the way you enter yourself into the contest. And folks, again... It is the newer tech new guard grip stand two with grip base bundle and it is black and it is for the iPad two, And that is from our friends over at other world computing. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. You're listening to tech. Okay, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen, and here is uh, an- another segment. This is going to be a uh, another discussion uh, area uh, where we're going to involve a uh, our very special guest, uh, guest uh, Keith Moneybags Moreau, <laughs> right here, because uh, he wants to tell us a little, uh, another new thing that he has just picked up, you know, just on a whim, just on a whim. Uh, you know, just because, you know, he, he had saved up his lunch money. He had, he had decided to take public transit rather than driving. Uh, Keith, why don't you share with us, uh, the, this, this new little tidbit that you, uh, that you picked up here. So just a little history first. Um, so I've been into DSLR video recording for a while since 2009 when they first came out. We talked about that in a previous episode, I think. Yep. Nine months ago, I got a Sony FS100, which is kind of a, um, it's a camcorder. It has all the features of a camcorder, but it also has a large sensor. And you are also able to uh, add different lenses to it. You can get adapters and put on any kind of lens you want, really. Um, I currently use a lot of Canon lenses because that's what I have, because I had been using Canon DSLRs for video. So uh, I got a very nice adapter. Uh, the brand is called Metabones, and it's it's great. It's actually electronic, so it will actually transmit the aperture information from the camera, uh, the camera knob that controls the aperture, through this adapter to the Canon lens. So it's a, yeah, it's a really cool device. Not that expensive either. Uh, relatively inexpensive. So anyway, there's some limitations with the FS100, but overall, it's 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 a great deal for what it does. Well, I think it was either a little it was a little bit before the last NAB show in 2012, just a month and a half ago. They announced like an upgrade to the FS100, and they're calling it the the FS700. 
And and did they mention? Didn't they just bring that out like literally weeks or just a couple of months after you had purchased your FS one hundred? Um, actually, no. I purchased my FS one hundred last year in November, so or October or November. So I've had it a while. They really just announced it about two months ago. So it's not. It's really hasn't been out that long. And when they announced it, it was. It's more expensive than the FS one hundred. It's it's uh, the street price with the with the unit without the lens is about eight thousand dollars, whereas the FS one hundred was about six thousand. So it's it's two thousand dollars more. So it's 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 definitely a more expensive camera. Right. But I was researching it and I really wanted it, but it wasn't that much better than the FS one hundred in as far as image quality. But there's a couple things in it that kind of made the decision for me. There's a bunch of little things, but the the main thing that it offers is a super slow motion. And uh, so right now, the, the, the slowest motion you can get on the FS100 is 60 frames per second. But right. on the FS700, you can get like 240 or even higher frames, wow. frames per second. And so when you, when you can slow stuff down that much, it just gives you so much more creative control over what you're doing. You know, you can always speed it up if you want and get it to be normal speed, but it's really hard to slow things down. But um, it's it's much better to shoot high speed in the camera rather than using something like Twixter. Twixter is a post production plugin that does a very good job at slowing things down, but still doing it for real in the camera, higher frames per second, is is the better way to go. So that's really the main reason to get the FS seven hundred because I I do a lot of sports action and things where I need that. A couple other great features on the FS seven hundred. Well, first of all, everything that I have that works in the FS one hundred will work on the seven hundred. So all the lenses, adapters, and everything else I have now. So that part is great. So that's not an additional investment. That's just, I get that for free. You're, you're, you're pretty much buying a body-only type of thing. Because I already have the, the lens that they're offering that they, they include with the kit. So I already have that. I got that with my FS100. So I don't need that lens. Does that mean that you purchased it without uh, the lens? Yeah, I purchased the FS700 just the body. No lenses. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. it's six hundred dollars cheaper, so it's okay. it's worth it. Right. Um, you know, save a little bit. The super slow motion is is the number one thing. It's also got built in neutral density filters, and oh, built in, huh? Yeah, built in NDs, and whereas the FS one hundred doesn't have that, so it's you'd have to attach that onto the lens itself. Right? Yeah, you have to either put uh, just regular standard filters on there, or you can use a variable ND. I use a variable ND. Which is good and has its, in a way, some advantages. But it's it's always better to have that choice of having the built-in ND, so you don't want to necessarily have to pop something on the top of the front of your lens. There's a few other things. Uh, it has the supposed capability of shooting in 4K. So 4K supposed is, supposed not this is not verified yet. Well, it's it's 4K ready. There's no way of actually recording in 4K when the when the camera comes out. You won't be able to record in 4K. But oh. later you'll be able to buy something with an undefined price <laughs> and uh, an undefined <laughs> that's dangerous yeah an undefined um, way it's connected you know yes right. you can do 4k <laughs> if you buy this thing it's as big as a garbage truck but buy the new <laughs> Mac pro that isn't out yet <laughs> yes buy the new Mac pro um, I don't know exactly how it's gonna work but hopefully it'll be something compact and 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 usable, and it won't be too expensive. Some people are saying it's going to add another $8,000 to the price, but for 4K, that might be worth it. it. 
at that when the time comes, maybe I'll be ready for that. And then there's some other features in it. It has supposedly has a better picture quality than the FS100. The FS100 is great, but there's some limitations in highlight handling and other things. And supposedly the FS700 handles those things better. And and all the test images that I've seen. Okay, with so with the with this new purchase, then okay, what's the the difference between the 100 and the 700? Obviously, well, could the 100 do 4K? No, the 100 cannot. There was no way that was going to happen. There was no way that was going to happen. And, and it's obvious that 4K is really like the wave of the future, even though you might not be able to do it just yet or whatever. But, you know, uh, everyone's turning to, 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 that, to, to that spec right now. I mean, that's where it's all going to, isn't it? Right, the red, the reds have it. Oh, that's right, that's right. The reds have it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there's actually yeah. a new Canon uh, digital cinema camera called the C500 that has it. So, so that's where it's all going right now. Yeah, it's all going there. But the, actually, using 4K, the workflow is is it's kind of daunting. It it actually really magnifies how much work everything is to import it and to deal with it. So. Yeah. You know, I have an I have another question, and and this is very curious because you know you, you did bring up something earlier on, and I was so impressed with the Twixter application, right? That that what would you call that plugin? Is it an application? It's a plugin. Mm-hmm. It's it's a plugin, right? Man, that demo reel that they use to show how how they can you know slow down footage and stuff like that. And I think that was even. T- uh, taken with a Canon 5D Mark II, I think at the time. Um, you know that thing looked great. Now, obviously, it's an acceptable, you know, way to go. But what you're saying, it's better to have the camera do the work rather than having it doing this post production type of thing. Why so? I mean, you know, right. So I actually do use Twi- Twixter quite a bit. Um, just to f- mostly to slow down time if I need a little bit more time that a clip didn't provide me. You know, like somebody's somebody's walking away and I need to have a little bit more music before it gets to the beat of the next music or right, something right, right. like for that. For editing purposes, right? Yeah, use it a lot for things that a viewer might not even notice. Right. So I use Twixter a lot for things that people wouldn't really notice. They would say, oh, that's super slow-mo. But I use it to extend scenes, uh, put a little bit more time at the end of something before it was cut. Um just just kind of utility things. I've done a little bit on sports, kind of that, that ramping slow motion effect. And it's it's when it works, it works really well, but it also can produce artifacting that obviously it's not real. You can get to be a really good Twixter manipulator and, and learn how the program works and do all this masking and other stuff to to make it work better. But it's really time consuming. Yeah, You know, it just takes a lot of time and skill and sometimes you just can't afford to spend time on it. So if you really think that something's going to need super slow-mo, then you want to shoot it that way. You don't want to do the processing later if possible. You know, you just gave me a great idea. I mean, that that is really, uh, you know, and I never thought of it because I'm not an editor or anything like that. But to use something like Twixter to extend a you know a scene just so it can match up with music or you know or an outro of some sort that that's a really great idea but uh but i guess also you have to be very selective of what will look good slowed down because you can't exactly do that for people 
maybe necessarily walking if that's not what you're intended. Right. You definitely have to be selective for, for smaller time shifts. It's actually, it actually works really well. Like if you wanted to, uh, say you wanted something to be 80% of what it was before, you know, not like 10%, but just a little bit of slowing down. It looks a lot better doing it in Twixter than doing it in the like Premiere Pro or Final Cut slow motion, um, setting. It's less jerky. It's much, much smoother. I use it even for subtle, not so dramatic effects. When you start doing the super slow-mo, like a thousand frames per second, per second, it, it actually can get noticeable in artifacts. So, um, but I use it all the time and it's a great, it's a great uh, creative tool. I I really like Twixter a lot. And the people that, that write Twixter are great people. They're, they're actually Academy Award winning. The people that design Twixter have won an Academy Award for it. Well, well, that, that demo reel that they do is, is spectacular. It's really, 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 really neat the way it's, the way it's shot, the way it looks, and the final uh, product is, is really impressive. Right. So getting back to the FS100, well, uh, Super Slow Mo has up till now, you could only get that on really expensive cameras like the Phantom and, you know, cameras that cost a couple hundred thousand dollars and cost a thousand dollars a day to rent. So it's just kind of amazing that you can get this in this almost consumer, prosumer priced camcorder. So you get that plus the possibility of 4K in the future. The thing that put me over the edge on it was, well, first was that it's really totally backordered now. It's so popular that there's like a waiting list for three months. The FS 700? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I kind of figured, like, I better put my order in now because I want to actually, if I do really want to get it, I should, I should put my order in now. Right. So I put it in now. I don't expect to get it for a couple months at least. Um, But the thing that I started thinking about was when I do shooting, I usually shoot with at least two cameras. Sometimes if I'm really pressed for time, just one, but I usually have one wide and then I have another one that's medium or close up and then I can cut between them. Um, and that actually, you can cut between them and make pretty smooth cuts. Uh, and so the, there's a potential in 4K is to shoot a bit wide, but then later, if you want a close up on something, you can just blow up that section in the edit. Uh, and, and essentially crop in and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you can crop in and blow up, and you won't lose any resolution. I mean, I'm not going to be producing 4K uh, films, I'm, mm. I'm still going to be producing HD films, but. The fact that the original is in 4K means I have a lot more creative control over the frame without losing resolution. So, like, if if, if somebody accidentally sneaks into a widescreen frame uh, for some unknown reason gets in the way, you can crop that out and still use the, 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 the real footage. Yeah, I could do that just for mistakes, but just for creatively. Say I have a somewhat wide scene, but I really want to get a close-up on the person's eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I might not have that angle. I might not have had a camera focused on his eyes. But uh, with with the 4K resolution, I can I can zoom in pretty tight and still maintain HD resolution. And it just gives me that much more creative control in the edit. Yeah. So you, you know what? It, it sounds so weird to me because, like, in a sense, it sounds just like the way it was when just good old digital still cameras came out. You know when. When we first had, uh, you know, two megapixel cameras, and then we had eight megapixel, eight megapixel cameras, just so that you could blow them up, right? And you wouldn't see the pixels. And it almost seems like this is, this is that type of thing, but for video. 
That's right. It definitely is. And another another side benefit of this is that if you want to make stills, high quality stills that you can blow up, you can use video. Now, just on a sidebar, didn't you actually do that for a little project that you had just a short while ago? Didn't you take a, a, a still of one of your video captures and uh, or a video uh, a still capture of one of your videos and you use that to blow up for for some sort of installation project or something right i was um invited by the so i live in brisbane the town of brisbane california and it's a pretty small town and so every person that does something uh is kind of famous because there's not that many people <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I'm working on a, a documentary, actually, about Brisbane artists, and it's called Sharing Artists Sharing. And uh, actually, you can go to the website. Uh, put it Which in will the, be linked on the, uh, on the Tech Move podcast. Yeah, we can put show notes in there. Um, but anyway, so the, the people that run the library and the San Mateo library system saw the trailer, the latest trailer to the film. And were really excited about it and actually wanted to promote the film and also kind of promote their library. So uh, they asked me if I would be willing to produce enlargements, like poster size enlargements, and hang them throughout the library. And I kind of researched it. I, I figured it might be kind of expensive because I was going to probably wind up paying for it. They're going to be subsidizing it a little bit, but some of it's going to be me. And um, But I actually researched it, and I can do it fairly inexpensively, and I think it's good marketing for the film. Uh, basically, by enlarging the uh, HD frames... Uh, printing them out using a very low-cost inkjet printer system and then mounting them on black foam board. And then they mount really nice on the wall and they look really nice. Well, when you blow up HD images, it's only, it's only 1920 by by 1080. That only really blows up well to maybe about an 8 by 10 at the most without seeing the jaggies, you know, the edges of things being kind of yep. jaggy. B pixelation. Pixelation, right. So... Um, I found some software that actually uh, enlarges things but removes the jaggies. And it's called uh, Alien Skin Blow Up. And it works remarkably well. I was oh, just. We'll have to review that. Yeah, we'll have, we'll to, have to. Maybe I'll contact that. them and, and we'll see if they can, they can uh, give us a free copy <laughs> to give away. But uh, so, yeah, so I've got these, I've got these HD. Uh, the largest one that I've done so far is 30 inches wide. And by about um, 18 or, yeah, about 18 tall. So um, it looks beautiful. It's kind of amazing how well that worked. So so, so translating that to a 4K, uh, you know, are, are we to assume that you could even do that even larger and still have it just look beautiful? You could do it even larger, and then you would actually wind up getting more detail. That, so you get pretty close to the to the picture and it would look good. The thing about the, the blowups that I'm doing is that they look really nice, but there's not a huge amount of detail in them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that it's very pleasing looking. So it's, it's not, the edges are sharp, but within the, like the borders and the edges of things are sharp and, and not pixelated, but there isn't a huge amount of detail because there was just no, there's just not that much detail to begin with. So when you get really close, it's blurry, but you're going to be seeing them from about five feet away. So it, that won't matter too much. But um, with 4K, though, imagine shooting a wedding. Not that I do weddings, but imagine a wedding shooter. Sure. They could shoot the whole wedding on video, and then they could just extract the frames 
of of the you know the most magical moments. They wouldn't have to get anybody to pose and smile and capture things and click click click. They could just be running video the whole time. Well, that's what I was thinking about. It seems as if like like every fr- if, if you want to call it for every frame of the video footage is a portrait within itself. Exactly. I've done um, frame captures for people. Some people ask me, you know, do you think I could get a still of that video you shot or or whatever? And when I when I extract the particular frame that that works, you know, out of hundreds or thousands of frames, you know, just by scrolling through a timeline, and they look at that, they just say that is the best. That's that's the most genuine best picture I've ever seen of that person. <laughs> and that's sometimes what it takes, doesn't it? Sometimes posing doesn't work for some. Right. Posing, it, it definitely doesn't work. But the thing about photography is you're kind of limited to how fast you can click. And even if you're doing a rapid, first of all, it's really distracting. You probably wouldn't want to do that in the middle of a wedding. And and secondly, you're still there's still things I do that by the way all the time. Frankly, thank you. So, do you get asked a lot to photograph weddings? I do. You, oh, okay. No, actually, 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 I do. I you know I have uh, well. We're going off on a tangent, but but I find that some of my best pictures is when I take them in burst. Uh, why? Because inevit- especially when in group situations, you're having a group of people uh, posing for a picture. Inevitably, one of them is going to blink. So if you if you rapidly burst, you're going to get like, and you take twenty in a row, one of those is going to be good. Right. Yeah. So it's it's the same principle. Um, it's just with video, instead of maybe 20 in five seconds, you're, you're potentially taking 3,000 in five right. seconds. Wow. Or maybe not 3,000, <laughs> but a lot. And, you know, maybe, maybe 1,000. Depends on their frame rate. Anyway, so when you're taking, you know, 60 frames a second or 30 or 60, you just get a lot more in-between moments. And those little in-between moments are essentially lost forever unless you capture them. So it, I can just see a just an amazing versatility in a 4k camera absolutely that sounds that sounds great i mean uh we're, we're really getting to a point where video capture is, is going to just take over still capture i think so i think photographers in the future are probably just going to be shooting video yeah you know um, maybe in five five ten years yeah. i don't know i don't know I don't think it's going to put them out of work. I think they're just going to be just kind of shooting video. <laughs> I mean, don't I mean, don't you see it now that like all these like you know, and I and I see a lot of wedding photographers. They every one of them is almost now offering video of some sort. Why? Because they already have the equipment. Yeah, it's you it's, know most of them. It's really the perfect marriage, so to speak. Ah, very clever, very nice, <laughs> very nice. Well. Uh, and and again, when are you expecting the FS seven hundred? Uh, well, year two thousand fourteen. <laughs> Supposedly by September. I mean, that's nice. the order I have in, and that's through a local uh, Able Cinetech in LA, which is a great dealer. Um, I may try to do an order on B and H Photo. I'll actually save a little bit of money on tax there, but um, their ordering system is kind of mysterious. Like you could order it, and you won't know until it gets there that you <laughs> that you got it. So How about Adorama? I don't I'm not sure if Adorama actually offers that right now. I'll have to really? check. Yeah. I they're all really the same. They're all back ordered and they don't really tell you if your order is going to get in. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, you could just order it, and then you don't. You st- you're not in line early enough or high enough, and you just don't get it. So. Right. Well, I you know I, I I hope you get it, and I can't wait for a review. Uh, just as uh, just as much as we're be doing uh, a review of the Canon 5D uh, Mark III that uh, you've had a little experience with shooting uh, with lately. So we'll expect a review from that in upcoming episodes. And uh, uh, that, that, that is exciting news. I'm very uh, happy for you with that one. Thanks, Rod. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, gang, that's the FS700. Let's ask Keith, what else is he going to buy? Okay, gang, that is going to do it for us here for episode numero dos, or what we like to say, episode two. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening. We want to thank you for hanging in there with us. And we want to thank you for the support that you give to us. And we'd like you to continue that uh, by going to our website. And uh, Keith's going to tell you where you can find us right now. Find us where, Keith? Well, you can find us on the the internets at uh, www.techmovepodcast.com. And also we're on Facebook. Uh, just do a search for Tech Move Podcast and you'll, you'll find us. And you'll be able to uh, like us there. And one of the things, too, is with our contests, it's kind of connected with Facebook and liking the particular post for a product on Facebook. And we'll provide instructions for that. Um, on our website. So go to techmovepodcast.com, get instructions about how to enter the contest, and go to Facebook to enter the contest, and also find out more up-to-date information about TechMove. Excellent, excellent. And in our next uh, episode, in episode three, we got a lot of neat things there. We're going to be talking more cameras. We're going to talk about more news. We're going to talk some rumors. A lot of good stuff coming up. Now, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, Rod. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it was It was really good. Thanks a lot, Keith. Thank you very much uh, to everyone. And we will see you on the next episode of Tech Move. <laughs> <laughs>